Welcome to the Doc Lounge Podcast, Crazy Cases Series. In this series, we will explore some of the most unusual and interesting cases medicine has ever seen. We will speak with providers of all specialties from all over the nation. We will hear firsthand accounts from symptoms to treatments to cures. So sit back, relax, and let's explore some crazy cases. Hello, friends. Thank you for joining us today for another episode of Crazy Cases. I am your host, Summer Gilbert, and my co-host today is Executive Vice President of Training here at Pacific Companies, Mr. Chris Call. Chris, once again, thank you so much for podcasting with me today. Oh, thank you for having me, Summer. I love doing these Crazy Cases episodes because I have no idea what's going to happen. I really come into it and just kind of let the physician take over and tell the story how he or she would like to and it always blows my mind and today we were super lucky we got to hear from dr fahad malik he's an internal medicine physician and dr malik shares a story of a gentleman who for years and years was suffering from irritability brain fog aggressive behavior just really strange symptoms he was tired all the time and one day he ended up getting pulled over and the officers breathalyzed him and he was a 0.2 and the legal limit is a 0.08 so that's way above the legal limit um he's claiming i was not drinking his family was in the car saying he's not drunk he wasn't drinking um but the police had him go to the hospital to sober up first and so he goes to the hospital they're running some tests long story short he really wasn't drinking so dr malik shares with us this really interesting case of this poor guy who can't catch a break hang on a quick sec as we play this quick disclaimer to listen to our episode with dr fahad malik and just a quick reminder every episode of crazy cases is hipaa compliant All names have been changed and all personal patient information will remain private. So that being said, let's get started. Well, Dr. Malik, take us to the beginning. What were the symptoms and how did the patient or patients present themselves to you? Okay, well, thank you once again for having me here. And uh, so I'll start with just the basic definition of an autobuoy syndrome. This way it will make it a little bit easier for everyone to know what I'm talking about and we'll go from there. So auto-brewing syndrome is uh, also actually known as gut fermentation syndrome. It's a rarely ever diagnosed medical condition where uh, when you have ingestion of carbohydrates, it results in endogenous alcohol production. So your body starts to make this alcohol and then when treated with antifungal agents, your body will allow you to have carbohydrates without any alcohol symptoms or intoxication. So now going back to our cases. So initially when we started, we had a couple of patients that came in with this uh, medical condition where they were just having some mood changes and um, some deliriums or some a form of intoxication where they just wasn't feeling like themselves anymore. Uh, a lot of their family members were complaining that they smell like alcohol. They've been sleeping a lot more. 
um, some of them were um, caught for um, by the authorities for drinking and driving with their alcohol level being above three to ten times the normal limit mm -hmm. and then uh, kind of he was one patient in particular which I uh, kind of based the uh, case report on he was more popular because of the fact that he went through so much to get diagnosed. He was initially being uh, treated by his primary care after getting treatment for antibiotics. He was he had a thumb injury where he was he's a middle-aged guy, a young 45-year-old, no medical history, no drink, only social drinker, um, had no psych history, no herbal medications, take nothing over the counter. So a young, healthy guy just had an injury to his thumb one day, which uh, needed uh, some minor surgery. He got uh, antibiotics, I believe it was uh, cephalexin. But I, when we had most of our patients, they were treated with um, different antibiotics and they all had a similar effect. So he was treated for about three weeks and three weeks later, his entire family started complaining of the fact that he had some personality changes, some depression. What he described to me was brain fog. And uh, the family was more concerned for him having um, some aggressive behavior on and off and just sleeping a lot more. So he got checked at his primary care, who... Uh, kind of ran some uh, different tests and basic lab work. And yeah, he referred him to a psychiatrist for depression treatment. And he was treated with two antidepressants for a couple of years and it wasn't getting better. One day he was driving with his family and uh, he was caught by the authorities for uh, kind of just swaying back and forth. So he was asked to do a breath alcohol level um, and then later on, uh, blood alcohol level. And it turned out to be 200 milligrams per deciliter in the blood and 0.2 uh, the, the breathalyzer, which was 0 0.08 is the drinking limit. Oh, wow. Yeah, this guy was way above the drinking limit, but he was performing and he didn't even realize that he was drunk. So in most cases, if someone was not an alcoholic and they drank to that amount, they would probably be very intoxicated. But uh, I guess these patients, they have developed tolerance because their body's been building it for such a long time. Mm -hmm. So uh, the police completely refused to believe this guy. They said, you know, he's probably drinking, doesn't want it. But they took him to the hospital anyways because they didn't want him to be treated for the alcohol um, intoxication before they did anything so he was treated uh, and then um, I'm not sure what came up the uh, authorities afterwards but I guess uh, he went home and followed up and he was and then he heard uh, of someone in Ohio where there was a doctor who was treating these type of patients where they're not drinking but their blood and uh, breath alcohol levels were positive so he went to him so he, he's from North Carolina. He drove or somehow got all the way to Ohio, had uh, all this blood work and all the testing done by this physician again. And then he was started on uh, 
medication after having a test uh, where they did blood levels and alcohol levels um, with the breath. Uh, I don't think they did a blood breathalyzer back at his. So just blood alcohol levels, which were initially negative, and after having a carbohydrate meal, uh, it kind of rose up to maybe 57 milligrams per deciliter, which is still uh, some alcoholism there. So I elevated, and most people should feel inebriated or some form of intoxication at that point, but he was completely normal. So they did treat him with antifungals, um, some um, carbohydrate-free diet, and a large amount of supplements that was provided for by this physician, not sure what it was. So he initially improved because of the antifungal treatment that he got for 10 days, but then Later on, he started to have the same flares again where he was agitated. He was um, having the same brain fog, depression, and he's continuing to um, antidepressant medications. But now this time, he has a really bad fall, which causes him to bleed in the head. And now he was in a smaller hospital. He was air ambulance to a larger tertiary center where they were just, for some reason, doing his blood levels back to back to just to see what was going on. Because initially, they, them as well, they were thinking that he's probably intoxicated. So his blood levels will go down, but then go back up mm-hmm. while he's in the hospital. So they range from 50 to 400 milligrams per deciliter, which is completely intoxication at that point. So once he was discharged after this incident where he recovered, he didn't require any surgery, he did well, he went on an online support group and he heard about us where we had treated someone prior and they had posted about us. And he reached out and wanted the same treatment and wanted to know what was going on. So when he came to us, we kind of did the whole investigation again. We realized, you know, this guy's already been to just about every physician. He's done so much, and now he's coming with intracranial hemorrhage where he's bleeding in the brain. So it probably should be a little bit more aggressive because when it's something to that point, you most of these patients are not lying and that they would just have falls like that. The family's very supportive, and they're really trying to help him. Mm-hmm. So we ran the complete panels again, we, there were fungus in the stool. There was when we did um, colonoscopy and endoscopy, where you put a camera to see uh, from the mouth to go all the way to the stomach and the upper gut to kind of get secretions. So we got those. They had candida and then Saccharomyces uh, cerevisiae. So what was interesting about the Saccharomyces cerevisiae is that this is the same. Uh, a yeast form of fungus which is formed uh, to make alcohol and uh, specifically beer. When we tested him, we tested these um, fungi and yeast for sensitivity testing as well. And it seemed that they were sensitive to an antifungal that we started him on. So we gave him uh, itroconazole and this was sensitive to both of the fungus and it seemed like he got better. He said he never had, you know, he felt like he got his life back and people weren't believing him because 
he everyone thought he was a closet drinker but he said he feels good again he really wanted to get back to his life and he was very um enthusiastic about being able to work again his wife was very happy so now at this point he's doing really well on these antifungal medications and he's completely able to do well uh go back to his lifestyle he's we were reintroducing carbohydrates slowly but at that point what happened was for some reason he had um some get together with his family or party where he drank a large amount of soda and pizza thinking that he was completely cured while he was still on the treatment and what happened during that was he became an uh intoxicated again and he came with um alcohol intoxication one more time put alcohol in the blood so now this was when we were more aggressive we did study him again with uh to make sure that the the yeast isn't uh resistant to the medication we're giving him so we changed the uh antifungal and um and changed his added a little bit of probiotics where the simple probiotics to him and um and then we had uh restricted uh restricted his carbohydrate diet and we had him on this treatment very strict treatment for about 6 weeks and in 6 weeks he started to kind of go back again and he was completely in this time he was completely uh, uh with our treatment and he was doing much much better and then finally we retested him with our carbohydrate challenge test to see if um he's able to retolerate this carbohydrates again because during the month and a half that we had him on treatment with the um antifungal treatments he was not eating um much carbohydrates I wouldn't say 0% but maybe some percentage but very low. Mhm. We had him in a monitor setting in the hospital where we gave him 200 grams of glucose again and every half hour we started to check his blood alcohol level to see now that he's eating his full carb meal would he be able to go outside and have the same uh, effect without getting intoxicated and what happened was he responded very well he didn't go back so his antifungal treatment uh really did cure him and uh we followed him up uh, a year and a half later and i mean we were following him uh, on and off but to this point it was a year and a half later where he was completely asymptomatic no problems he returned to his lifestyle went back to work and then before this he was on unemployment just because the fact he wasn't able to work and his wife was taking care of him and now he was eating a normal diet and he was checking his blood alcohol levels periodically just because he didn't know at what point he was intoxicated or prior to him so but so far he's been doing well and a year and a half later he hadn't had any problems wow so is is this is he going to have to be on those antifungals for the rest of his life no uh, so it's usually a 6 weeks treatment but a lot of patients what's going on is they relapse so after 6 months if you're able to tolerate a carbohydrate diet then we kind of consider that it was 
um, treated and then maybe reoccurred or relapsed. But uh, we try not to keep them on antifungal for more than six weeks because they have so many different side effects. Okay. Gotcha. So he will, I mean, it, you do relapse when you have this syndrome, so you, he'll probably have to be on those again. Yeah, so what we do is we usually try to uh, treat them with six months, uh, six weeks of uh, antifungals and um, uh, probiotics. So what probiotics does is uh, it keeps, uh, it competitively inhibits. So it, with the having more good bacteria in the gut gives less receptors for the bad bacteria and the fungus. So that's our theory. I mean, there's still a lot of research going on on this, but we're not certain what the exact mechanism is at this point. But our patients that we were treating, um, they would last uh, a longer time on probiotics without having a relapse than they would mm-hmm. without having it. So I think the um, main treatment would be probiotics, carbohydrate-free diet, and antifungal treatment for this kind of medical condition. Mm-hmm. Is this genetic? I mean, because how the heck do you get this? Um, just seems like a really bad roll of the dice. So our, we're not sure what there's, if there's an underlying cause that. Uh, some patients are more susceptible to this than the others, but there's one thing in common that all of our patients had. Uh, so this was one of our patients, and uh, we had about we have about 20 patients, 15 that are completely diagnosed so far, and uh, five are still undergoing some testing to confirm. But uh, after a few of these um, case reports and a lot of different uh, media was able to be involved, a lot of patients reached out to us and they were concerned that they might have this condition. But uh, overall, uh, all of the patients had one thing in common where they were treated with antibiotics for one reason or another. So uh, we think that the antibiotics probably changed the gut uh, microbiome in their system because antibiotics do get rid of uh, bacteria in different parts of the body. So if you're getting rid of the flora, which would be normal flora in your gut and your stomach and your upper intestine, then you're allowing growth of fungus. Do you know if he ever had to get like records of this syndrome so that he could give them to uh, the police or, you know, to get him out of legal problems from his DUI? So that's an interesting question. I believe he was able to get a... uh, off because he had a medical condition which was undiagnosed. But this can vary uh, from state to state. And a lot of our patients, they are usually caught under while they're driving under the influence. And that's usually how they find out that they have this medical condition. Because you you you'll be so tolerant to having such high amounts of alcohol in your system, you would not even know that you have this condition. And so we had a couple of patients that were from different states, and the ruling was on some of these states that if you're intoxicated, endogenously, exogenously, you shouldn't be driving. So uh, it's really hard to say, and this would be this would vary a case by case on you know how what the circumstances are. It's really hard to comment on. It, uh, this would be something in the future where uh, these patients would be allowed. Uh, some leniency from the law. Yeah. 
Wow, that, that is so interesting. Um, you, you said you had other patients that were going through this treatment too. How, how common is this? When we first started, I really thought that this was a really rare condition, but now it seems that it's really underdiagnosed condition. Because in the last one, uh, when I first published the case report, and I was getting about, you know, 40, 50 emails per day for like the first week or two, just different people asking about these symptoms are related to auto syndrome. And, uh, but since, uh, in the last like six months or so, it's usually one to two emails per day that I'm getting and patients are from around the different parts of the world and they're saying that they have these conditions and um, sometimes I recommend, you know, get a breath, al- uh, breath alcohol level test or breathalyzer from over the counter and uh, see if you have this positive, then, you know, go to your primary care or your gastroenterologist and see if someone can help out because a lot of them are different parts of the country or different parts of the world. So, but mm-hmm. it seems that it's, it's a lot more common than I anticipated or I really thought. And uh, now recently, a uh, really interesting uh, case report came out as well, where they have found uh, a patient who was supposed to be going for liver transplant, but she was denied the transplant because uh, she was having alcohol in the urine. They tested her and they found out that there was yeast in the bladder, which was causing her to have positive alcohol levels in the urine, but she never drank and she did not have alcohol in the blood. What would happen if uh, this syndrome goes untreated? You, uh, You would end up having the same complications as someone who drinks or binge drinks or has severe alcoholism. Uh, meaning you can have aspirations, you can aspirate and, you know, have different um, food or even saliva going to your lungs and uh, you can have um, uh, same complications as uh, pancreas involved, your dependency and, you know, the mental changes. So liver damage? Alcoholism, liver damage, of course, yes. Mm-hmm. So you would have cirrhosis, you can have varices. And everything you would see with uh, with uh, alcoholism, you would see with these this medical condition because it's exactly the same. Yeah. Wow. And and this syndrome is they're calling it gut fermentation syndrome, correct? Okay. Yes. Okay. Wow. Well, thank you so much, Chris. Do you have any questions? No, I'm just amazed at. Um that there's this type of syndrome. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, who yeah, would have thought? I've never heard of it before. It's, yeah. it's actually fascinating that once these pa- some of these patients were social drinkers and didn't really drink much before, and then once they're treated because their body's so used to having alcohol in the system, they said this was after the treatment. They were like, now we crave alcohol that we never craved before. And some of these patients had to be treated for... Uh, uh, alcoholism or alcohol withdrawals after that they were treated because their body was so dependent on this alcohol. And they might even have to go to like AA then to help deal with it, right? So one of our patients actually did go to AA yeah. and he was did treated with uh, um, medications. So this way he's not craving alcohol. Mm-hmm. Wow. Wow. That, that is crazy. Well, thank you so much for taking your time to to share this case with us. 
thank you for having me and now hopefully if we have anything more interesting or anything like these I'll be happy to discuss it with you guys and this is on a, such a small scale that we have about 20 patients i'm sure there's a lot of other patients and a lot of other uh, physicians that are trying to help uh, these patients out and i really appreciate you guys uh, being there and trying to raise awareness for these uh, difficult and uh, underdiagnosed medical conditions out there Yeah well my nephew's a second year GI fellow as well as his fiance so as soon as we get this one live I'm going to send it to him because maybe he's been exposed to this uh during his training and if not at least he'll know how to recognize it Oh he probably knows about this this has been pretty uh we had a conference in uh ACG which is the American College of Gastroenterology and that was uh, uh this was one of the cases in the syndrome that I presented there so I'm pretty sure if he's the second okay. year fellow he probably went to that meeting and okay. so it's a very fascinating condition so I'll be starting my uh, first year fellowship uh, at the end of uh or beginning of July so pretty soon Cool do you mind if I put your email um in the description of the podcast in case any other um providers want to reach out to you with for questions No, I'd be happy to cuz uh this way I can reach out to more physicians, more doctors, anyone I can help, I'd be happy to even more patients. So any anyone with this condition is, you know, they're usually a, a very um difficult to manage and I'll be happy to help anyone I can. Great. Well, Dr. Malik, thank you so much for being with us today on our Crazy Cases episode. We hope you have a great day. Sounds good. Thank you so much for having me once again. Of course. Have a wonderful rest of your day. All right. You too. Thank you. Bye. Bye-bye. Thank you to all our listeners. If you'd like to be notified when new episodes air, make sure to hit that subscribe button. And thank you to Pacific Companies. Without you guys, this podcast would not be possible. If you'd like to be a guest or for more information, go to www.pacificcompanies.com.